Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. My name is Tandy and I am playing host today and and I'm joined by my great friend Christina. But we have two very special guests with us on this episode. We are talking to Emma and Jono from Crew Brew Company down in Limerick, which we had the pleasure of visiting sometime. We'll get to that Um, and have tasted their most magnificent beers. But we are here to talk about crew brew how everything started and it was a pandemic baby this one guys so you know be prepared trigger warning paninis but <laughs> we're going to get into the history of emma and Jono, and we're going to drink some beers together and just act like friends because that's what we are so just a very quick reminder to everybody listening or watching out there we are on youtube if you prefer to watch um, and we are on all the podcatchers if you prefer to listen we are at beer ladies pod everywhere that's what you need to know. And there are link trees in our Instagram and our Twitter accounts that will take you to our merch shop and to the Buy Me A Coffee platform where you can buy us a beer if you so choose. So that's it. Intro's done, guys. Let's go around and see what everybody is drinking. And I'm going to leave the crew folks to last. So, Christina, tell us what you're drinking first, friend. I am drinking this beer from Lockgill. It's the Cutback New England IPA. Um, light and says it's light in body and pale in color, brewed with Comet and Eldorado hops and lots of other things, tropical notes. Anyway, it's nice. It's really good. Um, today is my Friday. It's actually <laughs> Wednesday, but I'm off for the next couple of days on a staycation. My family's coming to visit. So I'm really enjoying my first beer of the evening. This is lovely. Happy weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm gonna just go in because we want to save the cruise the cruise for last. Um, failing failing not being able to get a crew beer, which we'll talk a little bit about. <laughs> I have got um brew, brew brewery, and this one I had to laugh at the name. It's called the Blurry Furry. It's I actually thought it was Fury, but it is furry. So I was like, ooh, I wonder what this can not's going to be like. But <laughs> anyway, it is safe for work. So it is a passion fruit, orange, and guava Berliner Weiss. And I chose this beer because we sat and had Berliner Weisses at Crew when we were in Limerick <laughs> recently enough. And what was really cool was being able to pick your flavor. So because I couldn't get those, I got this one. And yeah, it's tasty. It's, it's very um, 
very low in alcohol as Berlin Weisses are, and it has got it's very punchy. So, cheers to that. All right, Jono, do you want to tell us what you're drinking? Uh, I am drinking. Don't tell Michael. Oh, I should do the can as well. I'm bad at this product placement stuff. Holding up my Kinnegar glass instead of our can. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't tell Michael is a dry hopped uh, German Weiss beer. Um, so yeah, Weiss beer yeast, traditional Weiss beer, and then dry hop with Mandarina Bavaria. So like that big banana-y clovey, but also like a lot of kind of orangey hop character. And it is pretty opaque looking. That sounds really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of a dry hopped um, Weiss before. Yeah, and it'll probably be gone by the time this is on the internet. That's the problem with all of our beers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is delicious, so you can just mm. sort of know that through the internet. Fine, we'll just take your word for it, Jono. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, what have you got? Uh, so I'm on, I'm on Free the Seagull, uh, which is a hazy pale ale, which will definitely be gone by the time this is on the internet. Not yeah. that it's a race, but... <laughs> uh, is, it, is it called Free the Seagull? Yeah. Oh, I have a note on that. Well, I'll hear about your beer first. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, it's super citrusy and tropical up front. A little bit of like kind of earthy bitterness at the end, but just very, very sessionable, very easy drinking. Um, we named it Free the Seagull because we did a double batch of it, which is uh, like 600 litres. Um, and throughout the entire brewery, there was a little baby seagull that had fallen down in the alleyway between our building and the next building. And uh, after, what is a double brew? Like 14 hours? After a 14-hour yeah, uh, day, uh, Joel, who works at Crew, had to take his jumper and rescue the baby seagull and bring it <laughs> in front of the pub to save it. So I, 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 I did. The reason I said something is because I, too, had a seagull story. I had a seagull fly into my house. No. Oh, wow. My dog went outside and then the seagull snuck in behind and I come inside my house and the dog and the seagull are sitting next to each other on the couch. Like, this is fine. <laughs> this is normal. And I was like, okay, George, you cannot have a pet seagull. <laughs> so then we had to like coax the seagull out of the house, but then he wanted to get back in. So he kept knocking on the window with his beak. Now he's flown away and he's doing his own thing. But uh, I love that name. They're so cute. That's so great. Oh, that's... <laughs> oh, we'll send you that Joel down awesome. next time anyway. Joel is seagull rescue extraordinaire. He got it. The pub was full and he got it out the brewery through the entire pub and released to the outside world without anyone noticing anything was even happening. Yeah. One what? guy noticed. One guy <laughs> noticed and he opened. He's a fireman. The fireman noticed and he opened <laughs> the door and let Joel out. He told me after. Well, listen, so we now true. know who to call. <laughs> yeah, it's just a short drive from, <laughs> it's from crew to, you know. <laughs> we love it. All right, guys, let's let's hear a little bit a little, like about crew. Tell us how crew started, who started it even, and, you know, we, how did we end up with the awesomeness that's in the middle of Limerick? Um, I don't know, because he said it before I was, I was. <laughs> I was there from the start. It started, I guess, just like a lot of things, drinking lots of beers too late at night and saying, we'll do this one day and we'll do this one day and all that. So that was like 10 years of that or something. Um, and in the meantime, our friend Gareth, he'd been working, uh, he ran a restaurant in Toronto and he'd been working in hospitality here and there and back home. And um, I was working at a few breweries and I, I was studying for the master brewer program as well. So kind of once we came out of that, 
and then Gareth lost his job and I had nothing to do and didn't want to move to London. And it was like, all right, let's see if we can write a business plan that would make sense. But we kind of thought I had no idea, like we had no chance rather because we had no money really. Um, but the kind of more we looked into it and the more grants there were and the more like once you got a grant, the bank were a bit more convinced. And then once you had the bank, you could maybe convince some of your friends and all the rest of it. So this kind of kept going around and around in circles. And then we moved to Limerick in January 2019. We signed the lease in June in the building, ordered the equipment in November, and then um, the world fell apart in December. And then I, the first we really heard about it was some of our um, equipment comes from China. The fermenters come from China. So we got an email saying the factory was closed down. And that was kind of the start of um, the kind of panic about it. But at the time, we were like, oh, no, the fermenters will be delayed for two weeks because there's a problem in China. <laughs> but uh, if we had like any intelligence whatsoever, we would have realized that this was going to be a problem everywhere very quickly. Um, so yeah, um, just that it, like uh, half of us are in hospitality really, and then half of us in, in beer and we all love beer. So um, we kind of all wanted, including then when Emma came on and Joe came on and Annie as well, everybody wanted to do things a bit differently from how other people were doing them and how they'd worked in workplaces we'd worked before prioritize some different things and look after people properly like guests and ourselves and everybody else so uh, there was a lot of motivation like i had some really really good employers who did things a lot of the right way and basically everybody else only had bad employers so they had the opposite motivation um so yeah we just decided to see could, could we could we manage it that's amazing and there's there is quite a lot to be said about the ethos at at crew you know it's quite visible from when you walk in um yeah. you know n- no racism no sexism basically no dickheads allowed and, yeah and, it, and it's just a and i mean i know that you sort of pride yourselves it's even on your website but it's you know you pride yourselves about being a living wage employer and you bring sustainability into the business wherever possible so there's quite a lot going you know you're not just a brewery you've got all these other kind of social goals i guess yeah i mean i i think for all of us we would find the work a little too dull if it was just like if i was a one-man beer factory and emma was pouring pints and that and, and like create graphics but not for anything that was achieving anything that meant anything to her i think everybody would have been bored of it by now so it's kind of those other bits that keep keep you motivated yeah yeah, I noticed that you do a lot of amazing work with charities. How do you choose the charities that you work with? Yeah, that one depends. A lot of the time it's um, like if we're running specific events, uh, like we did drag bingo recently and uh, the the host we got in, uh, we allowed them to choose the charity. And like uh, whenever it was our birthday, we all sat down and talked about what was important to us and what was like local and we would we would get to like really contribute to, um, we do like a staff series as well where, like each member of the team is going to get to brew their own beer essentially with Jano shouting at us if we're putting the frozen, <laughs> <laughs> letting us know if it's not feasible whatsoever, which I was quite close to. But uh, <laughs> so we we would get to choose our own charities for that kind of purpose, you know, just something that like represents something you really are proud of and want to contribute to, you know. Yeah, I'd say there's, there's not much of like a real process. It's just like Emma says, whatever the event is, you try to make it relevant to that or whatever's going on. And then you just try to find something that people are excited about because you're going to put more work into promoting and more work into everything else if you're genuinely excited about it rather than just being told by someone we're doing this or we're doing that. So okay. kind of almost for every decision we make, we try to have as like little of a hierarchy as possible with everything we do. Um, now, 
that needs to be balanced with the fact that some people are part-time and obviously can't have the burden of, of all the work that comes with the whole place. Uh, especially if like they're not being paid for that. So it's kind of like balancing that, but while also saying, look, whatever it is you're into, you can run with that project. Like if you're excited about this charity or this kind of beer or this type of event or whatever, like that's your responsibility now, go with it and we'll see afterwards how we got on. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, it's amazing, firstly, that you guys actually managed to sort of open, close, sort of do crawlers. You know, yeah. there was a whole lot of sort of pandemic activities going on and there was almost hopeful spurts where we thought, okay, it's going to be over. You guys can officially open. But that was that was quite a rough journey, um, if I remember it. Um, yeah, I, we were open 11 days the first time um, and then closed again for, and then it was crawlers a lot of months later and then closed for another five months. Or, But I, I think the biggest takeaway from that is that if, you ask for help people will help you out like people were buying merch from us who had never been in the building who just thought it was a good idea for limerick and then like some friends of ours actually the crowler machine we were renting it but a friend of mine messaged me saying look if if a lot of my old friends get together and put some money together would that help us out instead of having to pay the rental fee and all the rest of it so our crowler machine was funded by just like my old drinking friends from the last 10 years and um yeah people buying crowlers when there's plenty of beers available and off license that is closer and more convenient and doesn't have a three-day shelf life and all the rest of it but people were willing to go out of their way to get i mean obviously to get the fresh beer but also because they knew if they mm. wanted to be drinking pints in there whenever it was allowed again they needed to come up because we were in trouble i love it it's 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 so community funded and community based and and community driven you know it's it's a it's a really wonderful um, way to have a brewery. And I think it's quite reminiscent of the way that breweries and taverns and businesses used to operate almost in the old days, you know, where it really was about small local, just serving those around you. And and that's it. But yeah, here's 100%. the question, you know, what, what, if any, are your plans to become more national? Do you have plans or are you firmly trying to stay exactly where you are? Um. I- yeah, I think everyone wants to get bigger. It would allow everyone, you know, we're talking about doing the work you're passionate about. And the reality is that like, that's not always the day-to-day work you're doing because there's lots of other bits involved. But I think everybody wants to get bigger because it's an opportunity to provide more employment, to get more people involved, more heads, more viewpoints for everything. Um, the problem is like, well, money really is the problem. So if anybody listening has millions of euro to give us, um, no, it's also like the stress of it all, right? Like we already went through this once and now we're kind of on top of payments and all the rest of it. And it's, do you want to go and borrow another load of money from the bank? And could you even convince them? But yeah, I think like, I don't know. I think brewers listening will think I'm mad, but I miss operating a, a canning line and all that. Those are the bits I really enjoyed fixing, more things to fix. And um, mm. yeah, everybody would like to be doing just more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's something to said for now, just to enjoy the... The fact that it's completely exclusive to one one room essentially like you can only get this beer in one room in the entire world kind of thing so that's kind of that's kind of a beautiful thing for now like i'm partly thinking of expansion and i'm partly thinking of let's just enjoy this moment while we have it yeah, where yeah. every single person who's drinking one of the crew beers has been in this room and has mm-hmm. chatted to us and has had the full experience like instead of just buying it off a shelf and thinking it's a nice beer yeah they, sat down and chatted to us and realized like oh yeah these people are actually really crazy about this thing <laughs> you know it's kind of nice to get to inflict that on people I, <laughs> I think that's probably our most exciting challenge like particularly for Emma because like communications and graphics and always going to be so much our responsibility is that how do you give someone the same experience they got when they came and they ordered a beer and I was 
finished work exhausted next to them and everyone was buying the bar telling them all about it and getting them excited about limerick and beer and, and everything else like how do you get that across on a shelf when you're not talking to someone and you only have a 440 mil can worth of space to convey mm-hmm. your, your values and the excitement and everything else so that's why yeah. i'm enjoying it so much now just, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just to tell people <laughs> put a wee voice note on every can <laughs> That's actually not bad. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Solving the world's problems on the Beer Ladies podcast. Yeah. So, Emma, you, <laughs> you can put so a Emma, QR you... code to a video, actually. That'd yes, be cool. <laughs> you can. <laughs> but you can. Um, I did want to touch on your, you talked about having like this sense of community. And I was just wondering how you sort of continue that through the brewery from the process of selling the beer and being the consumer. And I know like Tandy touched on this when we walked in, when we were visiting, I really liked that you had, you know, the no racist, no sexist, no fascist, that those kind of signs. And also that you had like free sanitary products in the bathrooms, like these kind of things are really important as a consumer, which makes you feel like you really are, you know, stepping into somewhere that's a a safe place to be. And I was just wondering, like, what else do you do to kind of make sure that you're a part of your community and creating that sort of safe space? Yeah, I think I think like providing a safe space was kind of top of our priority list, I would say. Um, Like like myself and John have talked about this quite a few times, it's probably maybe not the only place in Ireland, but it definitely is top of the list for me for women who have come in and sat and had a pint by themselves. I think that's like a really rare thing. Like I would see that every now and then in Canada and I love doing that. I love going for a solo pint, but so often it turns out to be more of a nightmare than than an enjoyable, (laughs) relaxing experience or whatever. But like we would get like maybe just one or two women a night just coming in and sitting and having a pint and reading their book and then heading on or something and I think that's been the biggest reflection for me anyway of how we've just actually made a place where people aren't worried they know we have their back like any any time there's been anything that's made anyone uncomfortable we've sorted it out quietly and those people have come back and known it's not going to be a problem again because we handle the problems and then space for everyone. I think with all the inclusivity stuff, you think about like a hierarchy essentially where you start with who are the people in Limerick or who might visit Limerick or whatever, who might be around the space who are going to be the least traditionally comfortable in pubs. And if you can do everything you can to make it as clear as possible, they're welcome and make them feel as comfortable as possible. Automatically everyone else as you Mm -hmm. go up the thing is right. So like I, I'm an example of someone who's very much at the top. I like this, this Irish pubs. Very rarely would I feel not able to walk in or not comfortable or not welcomed or whatever. So you can't go out and aim the space at me because you'd be doing nothing. You'd just be opening the doors going, well, I don't see the problem. That's fine. Like I'm totally fine drinking in places like this. So it's about being in constant communication with everyone. And then also listen, like, yeah, listening to as many people as you can, but trying to think of specifically who, who are people who need to be as included as possible, who have traditionally been left out of both the pub experience and of the craft beer experience. And if you start from there, you don't need to think about everyone else because mm-hmm. you're, you're like, no one's being left out by your work doing that. Now you do sometimes get some angry insecure people who feel like they're being left out by that. But um, like my favorite example is the sign you mentioned there, we have the no sexist, no racist, no fascist sign. And 
very occasionally someone will complain to me about it and I always ask them which part of it upset them and they, they never have an answer <laughs> we want to know why you're not alive <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh just the whole thing the whole thing I'm like no no tell me which part which of the words upset you <laughs> um but yeah it's like that's it if you can find if you can make people like I say who have been historically left out of the scene as well as possible you, you've already included everyone else and if they don't want to be a part of it that's a choice they're making rather than being actively excluded which is a completely different thing Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh. And does it ever reflect in your creative choices in either beers or beer names? You know, the, the kinds of um, projects that you embark on and, and your values? Uh, well, a lot of the beer names are named after kind of either stories or, or often people, regulars. And like, uh, I mean, it's partly because we love them all and it's partly because we're not very good at thinking of names. <laughs> so um, there, is, there is a dual benefit there. But yeah, no, a lot like, I guess the the whole thing you try to be as coherent as possible, right? Like the the ingredient suppliers we deal with, we try to find ingredient suppliers who share our values and and everything else. And you don't always know people so well, and you do hear bits here and there that sort of take you back. But as best you can, you try to think whatever way we're thinking of creating the space. That also needs to be the same way you create the beers, and a lot of that comes as well with the beers being sessionable and all the rest of it. So we're not trying to make any beers that someone has one of and tells their friend it was crazy, and then that's the end of it, right? Like we want people to sit and drink and uh, enjoy their friends' company and e- elongate the day or the good parts of the day at least as, lo- as long as they can. So, um, mm. yeah, it, like it's hard to think of specifically, but it's just like overall you try to think of everything. What 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 are we trying to achieve with the whole thing? And if the beers you're brewing aren't contributing to that, then that's a huge missed opportunity because it can't just be staff and space and whatever else it has to be everything pushing in one direction. Mm. Yeah, and even for names, it's never. It's never anything that would be pretentious or, you know, intense or anything. It's usually just a really, really stupid story that, yeah. and then <laughs> someone at the bar is like, "Why is it called Free the Seagull?" And then you have to spend five minutes talking about a baby seagull that got stuck. <laughs> like they're all, like, they're almost like named for icebreakers rather than anything else. Like, yeah. Oh, that's, another that's huge actually point. a sound strategy. Yeah. Oh, it's a great thing as well because it can be an intimidating environment for people who haven't even been in with us before or haven't been into a craft beer bar or whatever before. So to like be able to say some silly name and then have Emma or whoever laugh and then tell you the story and whatever else, you're kind of already in and then you've eased people into going, and what did you like about that and what didn't you like about that and try a bit of this and whatever else, you know, rather than having someone stand there staring at it all and they don't know what any of the styles mean and they don't know how to pronounce half the words and like they're just like hop names or whatever that have no relevance to them so they're just kind of panicking you know that's that's no good for what we're trying to achieve yeah Yeah. so you make it an in joke and then they get in on the joke and then they're part of the the group and not an yeah i love that i love that you're creating like in group come in with us instead of yeah because even even as a you know Tandy and I beer judges like sometimes beer names are really daunting with lots of different hops names and if you don't know what all that is and even if you do it's sometimes okay but what does that translate to here and what does that mean and sometimes a silly name I like the ideas of silly names and stories I think that just you Mm -hmm. know brings people into the 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 well the community like we were saying how many times it's also a big part of like taking the beer and people's safety and people's enjoyment as seriously as we possibly can our entire lives are around creating high quality beer and achieving that in the space and then taking absolutely nothing else seriously at all ever (laughs) that's kind of that's that that was the whole business plan company the bank gave us money after we just wrote that but (laughs) that's great (laughs) 
I think you actually do get the feeling though, because um, everybody who hasn't been to Crew, you will definitely want to go and see Crew out in Limerick. But you get the feeling that it's just really fun to work there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fun to drink there. It's fun to just be there. But holy, it's like, it just looks so fun to work there. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> Although I wouldn't to anyone who might get hired and. <laughs> 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 but no, I would recommend. <laughs> I think it's good. I also That's really so liked when we were there that you could be part of the creative process of what you were drinking as well, because we had we were drinking the Berliner Weiss and there were so many different fruit additions that you could put in, um, which was kind of fun. Then you could customize it yourself. And then two, my everlasting dismay, I didn't realize you could combine more than one flavor. <laughs> To be fair, you weren't meant to. That was. Yeah. <laughs> I just was chatting, and then I was like, "Strawberry kiwi, though." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, that I loved that 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 you could, you know, oh, I like this, and I like this, and I just thought that was really, really cool and a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and that's why I drank all the Berliner Weiss that night. <laughs> all of it. Mm-hmm. That, that was a particularly fun thing to do as well because it's kind of like it, it is the traditional way of serving it, right? So like. It will, be, it will yeah. be served with syrups. I mean, as far as I know. Um, so it was exciting to do something that was completely new to m- most people who came to drink it, but also had a kind of anchor in, in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I like the sort of choose your own adventure vibes. Yes, <laughs> uh, every night out there is a choose your own adventure night. <laughs> it's very fun. Now tell us about the, the setup, because I know that... Um, Basically, you've got a model that I would love to emulate if I was ever smart such, slash stupid enough to open up a brewery. But it's kind of like, yeah, the, the latter one, right? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like brew, brew all the fun things and change it up all the time, except for a few regulars that you'll keep on tap. So tell us more about your model and how you've chosen this brew sort of system. What is it, 300 liters? Uh, yeah 300 single batches and then we have four um 300 liter serving tanks essentially so mm-hmm. we're serving on keg and, and direct from serving tank um and we basically chose whatever would fit <laughs> that was the whole selection process um but we're happy with it like we have a brewix kit from um get a brood cell in there in the north where they come in from slovenia and then we have two yeah two double batch fermenters and two single batch fermenters kegs and um serving tank only plus the crowlers um and it's i think it must be the smallest brewery in ireland it must be it's the smallest room i've ever seen yeah it's six six <laughs> meters by two meters the whole brewery so i would be wow. very surprised if anybody is making and if they have a smaller brewery that they certainly mo- make as much beer as we are in there like our brew house is like the electric box is pressed up against one of the fermenters and then the other side there's like this much gap to get through to the cold room and then two more like it's it's uh it's pretty intense like it's very warm in the summer <laughs> Yeah, it's impossible enough to walk into about 12 things. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carb stones and sample valves and everything. You, you end up covering in bruises if you work there. It's not It's not all positive working there. <laughs> oh, I love that. And how did you choose then to decide, okay, we're just going to brew almost whatever's on tap today is on tap and you'll probably never see it again, you know, or maybe you will, but sometime in the far future. It's been interesting. Like Emma would know much better than me about people's reaction to it, but I know when we first opened, people were a bit more put off by that, and now they're kind of getting into it. But people would have found something they liked to come back two weeks later, and uh, not it wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, my the the phrase that fills my entire being with dread is, um, "Oh, last time I was here, I had." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we definitely won't have it again, but <laughs> I've got you. 
Like I think <laughs> I think our whole thing, like maybe the reason or not the reason our beers change all the time, but one of them perhaps is that there are just so many unbelievable possible beers, you know, so many yeah. possible styles and so many possible flavor combinations within the styles. And mm. we can only have four brewing at once, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. and we all have very short attention spans, I'd say. So we just want all these different beers all of the time. Yeah. So it works because when people come in and they say what they had and what they liked, the people behind the bar know enough, you know, like we, we all, we did our like uh, beer server exam. We've, we've studied beer styles and we tried every single beer crew's ever made. So anytime anyone says they like this thing, we'll be like, oh, okay, I've got three things for you to try. And then I'll be able to pick out what parts of that you liked. And then we'll go on a little beer journey here and I'll bring you through all these different styles, you know? Like, it's yeah. quite nice. You can take someone who comes in and they ask for a Heineken and you give them a Pilsner and then they come in again and you're like, oh, do you want to try this all again? <laughs> <laughs> They're drinking bourbon barrel aged stout from Raspberry, <laughs> you know? So you can just, you can just keep building it up and keep getting people to try things and finding out what their style is and stuff. I think it's quite nice. Yeah, 100%. If anybody, um, including yourself, was considering doing it this way, you need really switched on and really engaged bar stuff because it's an isolating experience to come back after the three weeks and not find the thing you liked. But it's not an isolating experience at all if you have people who are engaged and are happy to like get you excited and find something else. But if you're just looking up and going, oh, no, now I have to guess again and am I going to like the next one, I guess. It's it's like it's a terrible experience for people. So um mm. Yeah, it only it only works in that way. I was just looking there on Untapped Ship. We're at forty six beers now. Um, wow! And I know forty seven and forty eight are in fermenter at the moment, and I know fifty two is going to be a B fifty two's reference. That's the only that's my only plan. <laughs> <for> that. <laughs> that's uh, so fun. But yeah, that like like I say like like I says, we just want to get through as many things as possible, and we have four fermenters. Like the idea of locking three of the fermenters up into a flagship and and in kind of every two weeks getting to try something new is is a nightmare. And, like we're still developing process. Like every good brewery should always be developing process, but we're only, uh, you know, 48 beers, whatever it is a year and nearly two coming up on two years, but half the time we were closed. So like, we're very, very much still at a stage where we're still trialing loads and loads of new process steps and new ingredients and new everything. So, mm. um, that's the other great thing about the pub is that we get instant feedback, like both positive and negative, but people will tell you when you release something new. So, um, and it's like incredibly rewarding, obviously, for me to finish work and have people say, can you prove this again? Or I missed this, this, the milk start, whatever. Can you bring that back? It's like, all right, this is nice. This, <laughs> I could go for yeah. this. That is nice. I actually, I like it because on the one hand, you, you're right in that you want to learn all the different techniques and ingredients and you want to figure out your processes and figure out what works well in your system and what doesn't. But mm. it's just so nice to have novelty as a brewer as well. Yeah. You, you know. I always um, I admire the macro breweries and the guys who do all of these very consistent same styles over and over again because there is a certain art in that. A whole oh, lot incredible, of it. Yeah. Oh, it's it's mad. But it it would drain my soul, I think, mm. to go through that sort of repetition. For me, anyway, it would have to be kind of a lot of variation and then maybe one or two flagships because otherwise yeah. my attention wouldn't be there. Like I, I would love to have the second brewery and be producing like say some of the flagships over and over again because you do get the joy of going okay we're, we're brewing it on Monday and Tuesday so Tuesday we'll we'll change this slight process step and we'll actually be able to do triangle test preference triangle test whatever side by sides mm-hmm. we'll be able to get really really good information on on one specific brand um but at the same time we wouldn't want to be doing only that so like 
really it would be amazing if we do manage to expand and we can kind of do both sides so the brew team would get to have a load of fun down on on thomas street there and then in the meantime you're able to really really dial in the the flagships too mm. yeah, yeah so even like from a consumer expect, like perspective sorry it's it's lovely to be able to go to the same place and have all these different wonderful experiences every time you know yeah you're, you're yeah. not oh we're going to crew again and we're going to have beer a again and we're going to have the same yeah. evening we had last week and we're going to do all this you know like there's there's still a bit of variety even in, in the same place you know which is quite yeah nice. yeah and i would agree with that like very rarely do i drink the same beer like over and over and over again like i have a couple go-tos but typically when i go to the shop or if i'm in a pub it's oh what's new so mm-hmm. that appeals to me but equally i know that there are consumers on the other side that like you know the consistent thing but for me personally i like the variety i think it's been a bit of a journey for the people to come to us as well because i think guess people are extremely brand loyal like irish people tend to be i'm a guinness drinker i'm a beamish drinker or that's it so when they kind of got to like the space and like the vibe and all the rest of it and they found something they liked they, they kind of felt comfortable again okay i could be a poly drinker in here or whatever it might be and then they quickly discover they can't be but uh everyone's like was a bit perturbed I think and now everyone's excited to come back in and say oh, like sometimes people give me grief if there's no new beers for a whole week like there's no new beer this week <laughs> that's like all right <laughs> you wait till next week there'll be, <laughs> there'll be something that's when you know that someone's a regular yeah it's always good yeah. <laughs> that's amazing Jono how did you get into brewing what is your history in this uh drinking that's what I was said <laughs> Uh, started drinking and then started drinking more and more craft and I was living in Toronto and um, I got a job at Steam Whistle Brewery there in the packaging line and so I went packaging then I did some lab work and then I did some brewing and then I went and studied in, in Munich for the Master Brewer program um, and then once I graduated that all the jobs basically were in London or all the jobs that would pay not well but by brewer standards well um, so instead I took a terrible paying job doing our own thing which seemed more fun than moving to London like we were I was away for so long and I wanted to come back and I wanted to be in Ireland to be close to my family and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, kind of done everything pretty much. Um, like I say, from tour guides to, to packaging to, uh, just about everything you can do in a brewery. The squeegee a lot of floors. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's really the main task in every brewery. The world's best. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm very good. I, I, I was supposed to get a squeegee tattoo last week, but it fell through, but, um, we won't <laughs> later today. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and um, Emma, tell us about your uh, history. How did you get into the beer scene, so to speak? I, I was, I wasn't hugely beery. I, I started in cocktails, to be honest, um, and then I went on. I was living in Belfast at the time, and then I went on holiday to Toronto. <laughs> um, I got like a little two-week holiday, half-price flights, and then I skipped my flight home. And stayed for like two and a half years, like almost a year. <laughs> and we just switched over and I uh, got a job in a restaurant and, you know, it was wonderful. Um, one of my managers in the first restaurant I worked in uh, had his Prudhomme course. And he was, uh, he was certified to teach as well. So he was kind of teaching me while I was working in this first restaurant. And then they, that same restaurant group opened a craft beer bar. And I was bar managing that. And then, yeah, and then I worked at another cocktail bar and then I worked at another bigger craft beer bar. And I just, everywhere I went, I was drinking craft beer. I was 
doing little brewery crawls all around Toronto. <laughs> I was trying to do everything. I was living with Jono at the time, so all we talked yeah. about was beer. Uh, it's, it, it's impossible to overstate like how much that period radicalized us into into believing in beer as a like delicious drink and as a force for good and as a force for crack and all the rest of it, visiting all these places and yeah you just got a sense that that's an environment you wanted to be in all the time yeah just all the the greatest kindest people most passionate about what they were doing everybody like if you came in and you said you're interested in working in beer they would just pour themselves a pint and sit down with you and chat to you for a couple of hours like they were just yeah everybody was so wonderful which is um, why Ireland needs more tap rooms. Exactly. People need more onboarding and more mm-hmm. access to see what the industry is like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. infectious. Like it's it's a beautiful, a beautiful place to work with. Mm. Lovely people doing lovely things. I couldn't recommend it more. <laughs> we really do need more tap rooms. And, you know, we don't have a lot of them. We also don't have a lot of crowler machines. So, I mean, you guys yeah. are pioneering in a lot of ways, <laughs> which is... Uh, I can see really why we don't have money because the process is a complete nightmare um the the licensing process is is such a disaster so uh, that's what needs to change really but i think they're supposed to be doing a review of that but i think it'll be a struggle because um pub owners have a lot of sway and a lot of money um so i think we're going to struggle to end the kind of current pay for a license system and without that ending people who don't even come for money or or whatever else are going to struggle like we were able to secure loans for the for the pub license but only because we were a brewery so like the craft beer bar side wouldn't have done it itself it's only because we were doing manufacturing as well but like yeah it's just such an enormous cost and it's such an enormous barrier so when you go to other parts of the world and it's just like some furniture they built out of pallets and like some brewing equipment and as they grow they grow with it and all the rest of it that's it's like a lot easier to do than it is here there's a lot more barriers mm-hmm. to entry so but it, it will be amazing because it allows people to look at the process, like from ingredients down to process to people, but the people's the main thing, right? You get to see people who are really excited because it's tough for craft brewers in this country to really excite the bar staff in, in places where they're being served um, because they just don't really have the resources. But when you have it in-house, like if the person's not excited about it in your own brewery, you have a serious problem. So <laughs> like when people come to your brewery, they, they can kind of pick up on all of that. And like every time someone comes into us, it's not just our stuff we're talking about, you know, we're, we're talking about our favorite Irish breweries and, and we have cans and, uh, guest guest lines every now and then and all that so we're kind of introducing people to a lot of new stuff and without that like customer face and tap room it's just never gonna happen mm. i noticed that as well that that you do have guest taps um every now and then or um i don't know how regularly but i think that's very inclusive of you as well because you, you know it's one thing to want to um you know introduce people to your own beer but it's it's i feel like it's a nice thing to do to introduce people to your neighbor's beer and you know some you know i don't know friends and beer friend and beer's friends and yeah yeah, yeah. you know I, I think we're just like uh, for me and emma at least and probably for everyone else like we are also just fans of like a lot of, of irish crap and a crap we're, we're fans of a ton of toronto breweries but like i have my rascals hat on and i'm drinking from my kinnegar glass and like i just like <laughs> i like <clears throat> yeah i like oh nice <laughs> Uh, I like a lot of the people involved and I, I like a lot of the beers. So um, like if you hear the stories there about me and Emma going around Toronto getting excited about all these different breweries, like we want people to find that joy that we did. And that doesn't just come from one place or from one producer. Like people might, I know I can think of specifically some people who they do drink our beers. They came in, they were unsure, they got onto them, they started to love our beers. And now they mostly drink like uh, Lambics and Deck from Otterbanks, his beers and all that. And it's kind of like, it's nice to see people found the, found the joy of it so that they're not, 
hoof and pints of our hazies anymore, but they kind of came in without an interest and they left now passionate about a, a ton of different areas of the industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's nice. Like, like we know we make very nice beer, but we also know a lot of other people make very nice beer and it's nice to be able to support them as well. Um, like that's another thing that just fascinated me about this industry is just how supportive it was instead of like making everything a direct competition, you know, yeah. like if there's another brewery in your city, it's, it's not doesn't mean you're going to go head to head it means more people in the city are going to get into craft beer like it's a supportive community network instead of just scrapping each other like so it's quite and there's so many people came before us right like we haven't been open that long and we know specifically in limerick treaty cities production and their presence in the city and pubs has really helped us because they introduced a lot of people to craft beer who never would have had it before um mm. But also just like even just around the country right like people will have had some kinaga cans or they will have had this and that so when we opened you weren't starting from a brand new concept. Like it wasn't a, a whole new world to them, these beers. So for all that they, they benefit from us and Ireland's a particularly hard place, as you know, to get taps and to get into pubs and all the rest of it. So we have nobody telling us what to put on and what to do. So, um, and like some of it, it, it comes about naturally. Like you just talk to someone, I'll, I'll be talking to a brewer and they'll tell me about a new beer that they've got coming out. They're really excited about it. And as soon as I hear that, like Joel does the orders, I text him and say, yeah, yeah, your man from Rascals is really excited about this release coming out. We should try and get some of that. That's that's marvelous, and it, it it does go along with the sort of rising tides floats all boats, you know, kind of mentality, I guess. Which is uh, all, all such the a nice wonderful ones. way to yeah. live. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, we try to find breweries to share our values, sell as much of their beer as possible, right? Like, it, I do love the beer industry, and Emma's absolutely right. Everything she says, but there there are, there are problems also in the beer industry. So, like you need to be careful sometimes um, because mm. it could be easy to say everyone's really nice and everyone's really great and we're selling all these beers from all these other people and then you find out oh, a little while later that they're not quite who you hope they might be and mm-hmm. it could be a little disappointing. But uh, the people we sell, the people we work closely with, they're, they're all friends of ours now since we opened. So uh, it's mm. it's really exciting to be, able to, to be able to sell that beer. Yeah. Just like every industry, there are dickheads <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah. all- awesome humans that make up the rest of the population but yeah. you know that's the way it is okay so emma you didn't you brew a beer recently for crude was it your design your your recipe did brew a beer um yeah i think jono quickly regretted the whole <laughs> <laughs> staff can choose a beer uh concept but anyway yeah i brewed a beer uh i think i think we were sitting together weren't we i think me and jono were sitting on the sofa and he was like, oh, yeah, uh, I think I'm going to start a staff series where everyone's going to get to put their own thing in. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Put that in the group WhatsApp. No, you're like, let's let's make this, you know, let's start this. Let's get this ball rolling. And he put it in the group WhatsApp. And I would say less than a second later, I had replied <laughs> in the WhatsApp saying jalapeno lime goes. <laughs> yeah. so I called dibs right away. I wanted a beer that tasted like a spicy margarita. Just I love that. This amazing. is why am I not closer to Limerick? Because I <laughs> love spicy beer. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> I love gozas. So I'm just there for this. Yeah. I'm here for it. It was um it was fascinating. It was an experience. I've never seen someone so quickly regret. Oh, it was a nightmare. I thought people were gonna be like, we'll do a dunk vice. And I'm like, that's grand, yeah, we could do that. But I didn't expect anyone to say jalapeno at any stage in the, in the first. <laughs> 
Yeah, it turns out it's a little bit of a nightmare. It sounds <laughs> glorious. I mean, it was, but it, it was delicious. It was a very elaborate process that I wouldn't be eager to go through too many times in the week, but it yeah. was it was quite special in the end. It turns what out made it, um, what made it so challenging. Um, jalapenos don't taste like jalapenos was the first problem, right? Like jalapenos, fresh jalapenos is not what people associate with that taste. It's like yeah. jalapenos and brine essentially. Mm. What you associate with jalapeno, but obviously the acidity of that is a nightmare. Yeah, Emma wanted as well, like that kind of like the fresh pepper character from it. So it was all about how do you get as much of that into the beer as possible without extracting all the things you don't want in vegetables, which is like the majority of the vegetable. <laughs> so yeah. um, we actually at Street Food Done Good, who are a food truck up the road from us, we kind of enlisted their help. Um, he had a sauce for really, really, they were delicious, really high quality jalapenos. And I can't even remember really what it all was, but there was, I know there was sous vide I know there was freezing, I know there was roasting, there was... Yeah. <laughs> like the original brine is too acidic because it's vinegar based or whatever, but he made like a pink peppercorn jackfruit brine. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember this. I, I had locked those out of my mind. <laughs> day process from I I have some jalapenos for you to these are now able to go in your beer after a fierce amount of effort. Like there was yeah. ash breathing and sous vide and then there were an obscene number of processes. And <laughs> really like people keep saying it's my beer. I said the words jalapeno like <laughs> helped carry things, but Alex from Street Food Done Good, yeah. a visionary. Jono made it actually happen. Like it was very, very, very much a team effort. And it was it, beautiful. It was really fun though, because you're talking to like, Alex is an amazing chef and you're talking to him about flavors and you're kind of learning a lot about, about all sorts because I, I was trying to explain to him the fermentations, it's quite an aggressive process. So you're going to strip out a lot of whatever character because we were, we were wanting to whirlpool it rather than having anything go into the fermenter. So he was like, okay, he's like, this is how you make the most intense jalapeno you've ever eaten in your life. Like, this is how you prepare it. So it's like, okay, let's aim for that. And then whatever we get going into fermenter is going to be insanely intense. And then as it's stripped and as it's conditioned away, it will hopefully, like, it's all just a guess, even in quantities and process at that stage. So it's like, hopefully we'll leave it at an acceptable mm. level where it's like present and delicious, but not overpowering. But um, yeah, it was fascinating talking to him about, you know, because if it was up to me, like I'm, I'm not in any way capable of making food. So I would have thrown some jalapenos into a bag and into the whirlpool and hoped for the best. But he was like, no, you need to do this and you need to do this. So, um, yeah, we're currently going through that now. Actually, we're doing a, a saison for one of our other staff, which is ginger, coriander, elderflower, um, rhubarb saison. So he's gone through a similar process. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I plan your night. Oh, <laughs> Well, well, I think Tandy, we're going to have to go on another road mm-hmm. trip. <laughs> yep, another road trip down to Limerick. Yep, I yeah, think we're going to have to happen. This is definitely going to happen. So, Emma was actually your favorite beer in the whole world since it went through so much effort. It, it holds a place in my heart that I don't think any beer will ever <laughs> will ever take. I'm um, my favorite beer tends to be the one that I'm currently drinking. Uh, Fair. You know, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Mindfulness and beer. <laughs> but I would say, yeah, I would say that's always going to have like an, un- it's a permanent place in my heart. Like that beer that was yeah. even like on the day it was released, I was so excited. And then as soon as I poured the first one, I was like, oh, <laughs> I 
everybody's going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> that like massive fear because my name was associated to it and all you know and then uh, and then I realized that that must be how you feel every time we release a beer Jonathan so then it was yeah. like oh, it's <laughs> these have all gone yeah. well so people <laughs> drank so much of it we thought it'd be like a novelty for people but people would sit there just yeah. drinking them all night like people were really it yeah, was great to see. Be, you would have one and then move on to your ideas yeah. but it people, disappeared like, there was a group Those of guys and they drank 54 of them or something across yeah, two days. Yeah. yeah. Like they they were just, in the break for the weekend and they just, that's where they spent their time. <laughs> I mean, spicy beer is is the best beer. I love a nice spicy beer and will drink and buy the hell out of a spicy beer. <laughs> so I am totally with the group that drank 54 because, yeah. well. Alex is going to be terrified when we expand and I tell him we're doing a 20 hectolitre batch of it. He's <laughs> there, there in his food truck trying to prepare kilos of jalapenos yeah i think it's gonna be my my style now though every time i get the chance to make a beer i'm just gonna choose a different <laughs> it's gonna be yeah definitely do spicy ones one of the best beers i've ever had was a habanero pumpkin beer which was out of this whole world i don't remember who made it, it was years ago but i'd say yeah. gozes as well in general kind of lend themselves to a lot mm-hmm. of different things yeah, like, I love like, mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's like you think through the food world and you go what goes well with salt it's like well everything, <laughs> everything. Yeah. yeah yeah i had yep. jalapeno lime goza i had one with so many different types of food to try them all and mm. i would highly 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 recommend bougian mm, bougian <laughs> was very good with it divine and a spicy chip they're my two uh food pairings for it <laughs> well there it is this world yeah and and see now I'm thinking oh do the spicy or do the the goza and then add the fruit things that you did with the Berliner Weiss so then you get your mm-hmm. strawberry margaritas you get your yeah. raspberry margaritas you get your what oh. oh that would be unbelievable we <laughs> need to come visit Danny. <laughs> <laughs> yes we do <laughs> so Jonna what has your favorite beer been so far that you've brewed for crew? Uh, I think uh, the verbena goza. Yeah, we'll just go to all the gozas. So I think Emma's drinking it. Yeah, there it is. Um, oh, nice. It's lemon verbena goza. It's like a. It's a fairly straightforward, like citrusy goza, but it's it's well pulled with um, coriander and quite a bit of lemon verbena, which I don't like. I, I wasn't familiar with it before we made a beer with it at my old work, so I don't know if that's like a known thing or if I was just ignorant before. But it's basically just a herb that's more lemony than lemons. It's quite mm. incredible. Um. So yeah, that like that. I think that's my favorite beer. We also have like the vanilla milk stout would be another one. I like. It kind of depends. Like I don't know. I drink everything. It depends on the mood as well. Um, yes. I guess we're like we're predominantly producing sours and hazies, and then so I, those are beers I love to drink, which is why we're making so many of them. But it's also why, as you say before, like it's exciting to do these other bits. Like when we do things that are a little bit further away from that because I don't get the chance to do them too often. Mm. We're a West Coast IPA there in two weeks again. Uh, bits like that that like kind of we don't get to do so often when we did the Rauk beer that was I really loved that that was another one that we thought would be a novelty um, and it just disappeared as well so um, I think that would be another one for October we'll do that again and mm. yeah basically everything well, is, no, I've never met a beer I don't like <laughs> it also just sounds like everybody else just likes whatever you produce mm. as well but I mean what have been could you give us a sense of what are the trends you know what do people really like in terms of styles or flavors or um, what are people not liking at the moment. So, uh, like, I think it was surprising to me 
the I like I know it shouldn't be because the haze stuff's everywhere, but I think because so many of our drinkers they're not like they're not keeping up with the trends of craft beer, they're not following a million breweries on Instagram and all the rest of it. Like the largely it's like people who like our place and who like some of the treaty state beers that are willing to try bits, but they're not like hardcore craft beer fans. Like they're not on untapped, put it that way. Uh mm. so I was surprised to see how much like reflection there was in in the kind of the trends in our place as there was um kind of in the rest of the world but i think just like the hazes they're just so easy to drink and they're so easy to drink multiple of and they're like challenging enough in that they're very far away from heineken but they're not um so challenging that like it's a struggle to finish one and you don't want any more right so we're seeing a lot of that I'd say like, I don't know, again, I think Emma would probably know better than me. Like I, I take cues from them. We do it like an end of night email mm-hmm. every night. And it's like, are people asking for this or are people asking for that? But Emma would have a lot more contact with the drinkers than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it is funny. As you said, uh, it's almost hard to narrow it down because every time we release a beer, it just seems to go unbelievably well. It's gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are just, there are a lot of times when, like everyone who comes in is like, oh, but I oh, you remember that vanilla milk site? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, like we're going to get that brown again. Now. And then somebody will go, that brownie, though, that brownie was unbelievable. And oh, I'll, yeah. oh, yeah, what about that IP? And, like, oh, yeah. and then you're so, oh, no, I actually have a list of 20 beers. <laughs> we only have four fermenters. So no, I, I think it's a hugely privileged position as well that people like, we can now, when we produce the Ralph beer, even then, but if we, if we didn't now, we, like people are, trust us, right? So they don't need to have heard of the style before or even to think it sounds very nice to be like, okay, but I always like the beers in there. I'll give it a try. Right. Um, which is like, we always talk about our cousins, a, a music promoter, and he's at that stage we're putting gigs on that because he's putting the gig on, people will go to it because they trust his taste and uh, they trust that he's bringing over really high quality acts. So they don't necessarily need to know the band to rush out and buy a ticket. Um, which is like just an extraordinary privilege when you're excited about these things because you can brew a beer that if it was sat on a shelf at Tesco, nobody would ever touch because they don't have that contact with you or whatever. But when they see that we're excited about it and they've had our beers and liked our beers before, they're, they're willing to uh, give it give everything a try. So, um, yeah, we can kind of take it in a lot of different directions. Like I know a lot of breweries are always complaining they can't produce. They'd love to produce a rug beer. They'd love to produce a brown ale. Or they'd love to produce these things. But the market isn't there for it. But for us, it's like, whatever we put on goes. So as long as we can keep it up, we can brew whatever we want. We also, we would never serve a beer that we wouldn't happily drink yeah. by which I think is a pretty important part. Yeah, like, that's yeah. like We have dumped batches and I don't think everyone is, ha, has done that or is willing to. And um, But it's all about protecting that, um, that kind of trust with people, you know. Yeah, you can lose that mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Yeah, I was going to say it's a, it's a great privilege, but it's also a huge responsibility. Yeah, you have a I'm massive, <laughs> massive, massive, you know, position where you have to make sure that you maintain that level of yeah. trust. It's a, you know, it's a level of trust. A hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. you can't, you can't miss Mark on anything. So, um, yeah, it is, it is very stressful, but you do have to be willing, like say, like where, I, I don't know how many batches we've done, probably three or something. Like it's not, it's not something that's happening all the time, but there have been, I know for at least one of those beers, there was a, a long discussion where we were kind of like, look, this isn't bad and we could sell it. And that's this much in revenue and the ingredients are gone and whatever else. And we just reached the conclusion that for exactly those reasons, if we want to keep people, keep the trust. And also for when someone comes the first time and that's the first beer they ever try, you haven't right. built up that trust with them. So 
you may be more willing to be forgiven by other people who have enjoyed a lot of your beers. So yeah, it's kind of a painful thing to do, but um, yeah, you just have to dial in processes and make sure it's not happening too often. And then, and then when it does be willing to, to act upon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a good point. Actually, like uh, every day is going to be someone's first day coming in, you know, yeah. so you can't just be like, no, we've been open for two years. It's grand like, for here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Every time someone comes in for a pint, it could be the first time they're in and, yeah and for us like we say it's the first time they haven't any craft beer a lot of the time as well so you're kind of responsible for the entire market at that stage um so if you push something out that you think is just okay and then they don't like it that they don't come back to you but they certainly don't buy lock gill cans in the in the shop next time they're in there you know the reality is that the beer that us and everyone else is selling is more expensive than the beer often that people have already been drinking so you're not going to convince them to come over with something you didn't even like (laughs) never mind them yeah no, absolutely. You re- you really have to go sort of above and beyond to to get that that trust and yeah. and especially if it's someone's first time into or trying craft beer in the first place. You know what is all the fuss about? And if the fuss is eh, well, why yeah. did I spend this mm. much more for eh? Yeah, and, and like so many things we talked about as well, it, it's about having a consistent chain there where you're building trust with people within the space building trust where people could be themselves and ask silly questions that, 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 that risk looking stupid because they didn't know what this meant or that meant and then you're building trust with the liquid itself because uh, I, as we say they're going to come back or they're going to go and find some other stuff the next place to go and they're going to they're going to go on and carry on their journey to something that can really uh, at least for all of us here and for a lot of people we know really really contribute a lot to the enjoyment of our lives just trying different beers and mm. discovering different breweries so yeah, the idea that you blew that within 10 seconds just because you wanted to generate however much in sales from a beer you didn't like, that's kind of, it's easy to make the decision once you put it like that. It's just tough at the time when you're sat there going, oh, I don't know. I think yeah. if you've gone in with that mentality, you've already kind of got it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of breweries who will send out some kind of subpar beer. And it's not to say it's completely infected. It's just not right, you know? Yeah. And, and and it is, as you say, you know, that could be someone's first experience of the whole industry. And often people will taste one bad beer or one beer that they don't like, which is not always the same thing. And yeah. then they'll say, oh, I don't like craft beer. You know, that's yeah. it. So, I mean, Emma, you just sound as if you're the, the, the master of getting people excited and curious about trying all the new beers. And so what, what are your tactics? You know, what are your tricks? Yeah, I've often been compared to a golden retriever. So it kind of <laughs> <laughs> into the, the industry. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I would I would even hesitate tricks. Like it's literally just like, what do you like? Like it doesn't even have to be in beer. What do you enjoy? What do you like? sweet things or savory things and like do you like sitting and sipping away on a very very tasty kind of strong beverage or do you like even a load of easy drinking hazy beers you know like it's kind of it goes so far beyond what people think their style is you know because a lot of the time when people are coming in for the first time their style is Heineken yeah yeah. the other big thing I think one of the things that I would observe is the samples, right? Like someone comes in and they look for Heineken and they'll get a pint of the, we have the um, Larkin's Posner. So they get the Posner, no problem. Everyone's always very happy with that. But at the same time, it's like, look, you've come up here and you bought a beer and nobody ever says no to some free beer. So it's like, while you're up here, try a bit of this. And like mm-hmm. more often you're not, you'll find when they come back, they, they have more questions or they want, what was that thing you gave me? I'll have one of those this time and all the rest of it. So Yeah. Sure. A lot of the time, if I'm doing samples, I don't tell them the style or the name or anything that will just kind of, flood with information and then people be like oh no i don't think i like ipas and kind yeah. of sway it more 
I just like hand them little tiny glasses and say like mango. Yeah. Mm. Um, and <laughs> and like just push them really slowly towards them and be like, pineapples, try this little tiny beer. <laughs> and taste it and be like, why? Why would I not drink pints of this? Like, and then they just like once they're on that, then they're gonna come in next time. It'll be like last time I was here, I got some samples, and then they're gonna get new samples because it was you know all new batches. <laughs> and then they're going to try all different things you get to really work out people's kind of tasting profiles and what they like what they go for and then even then like if they come in and say oh you gave me this one that tasted like pineapples and did it at all but we don't have any of those on draft like as john said earlier we have so many unbelievable cans in the fridge so we can be like oh whiplash made this beer and then it's yeah. lovely and it has a similar profile and I think it's a good next step for you and all this stuff you know so people just love because it feels like a personal mm. experience as well you know yeah I, it's just like a friend telling them something they're excited about which whether you are initially or not you're going to hear them out because you know whenever anyone's passionate about anything but like with all these things it's just access as well people haven't had access to trying these beers they certainly haven't had access to trying them really really fresh so you're kind of you're giving people those opportunities and like we all know it's not going to be for everyone, but the beer is nice. Like beer is delicious. So if you give people mm-hmm. enough access to it, they're going to discover that they like it. Well, and I think that's an important point. It's the, it's the access because it can be a little gatekeepy. Like sometimes, like I definitely know when we've had Ladies Craft Beer Start of Ireland events and people come and say, hey, I have never drank craft beer, but, you know, it looks, you know, interesting. You know, what should I drink? Yeah. But they've experienced possibly places or times where it's a little it's quite intimidating or people have been rude to them um there's the whole hops arms race with the ipas which can kind of you know emma you kind of touched on that people can get a little well because you know for a while there at least it was how many hops can you shove into this beer without kind of Mm -hmm. thinking about you actually have to drink the beer yeah and you know and enjoy it um so I definitely, from my perspective, completely agree with, with what you're like, absolutely. It's, it's, it can be really intimidating. And I know even when I was getting into beer, I was really intimidated by people who knew way more than I know. And then of course, the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a whole world of information out there that I don't even, I can't even touch on, but um, yeah, it's just. It's really cool that you guys focus on that and are cognizant of that when you interact with people and, and yeah. Like a like big that. thing we would have been aware of when we opened was that a lot of craft beer bars have that gatekeeper thing where they're kind of laughing at people that drink Guinness mm-hmm. or they're laughing at people that drink Heineken or whatever. And it's like, this is not a way to engage anybody with anything in any industry. Like that, you know, like making yeah. people feel like they're wrong for a thing they enjoy is not going to help your cause no. at all. Like you're trying to opt. Yeah show people that there are alternatives and that these alternatives often have some commonalities with these things they already like. So they might like this or they might like that or they might not. And that's fine too. Like, but you're not saying you're wrong because you came here and you told us you normally drink Guinness or you're wrong because you came here and you told you normally drink Heineken, you know, it's, it's like, okay, that's grand. Those are perfectly good options sitting in a pub drinking those beers, something you enjoy. We're not going to tell anybody they're wrong for doing that, but they're also available in every pub in Limerick. So like, let's try and add some variety and some excitement and, and to bring you along with us on it instead of saying this is only for people who already know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the other thing is that not only is that like the morally upright and exciting and enjoyable thing to do, it's also the only option you have as a business in Limerick because Limerick doesn't have 10,000 craft beer fanatics waiting for you to open. 
Like you need to create a scene yourself and you have an opportunity therefore to shape that scene in whatever way you want. And we would like it to be as enjoyable for everybody as possible. So we're, we're the Mm. first opportunity for a lot of people to see that. What I really liked is what you said there, Emma, about not giving people too much information up front. And that is genius firstly. And, but, but it, it is so common when you, you know, people don't always understand the difference between it could be an IP and a start or, you know, a pale ale and a sour, it doesn't matter, but telling them what hops they're using or what yeast was used does not help that understanding. What no. helps is flavor. So it's like, yeah. okay, this one is going to taste maybe a bit like coffee. That one's going to taste a little bit like, I don't know, citrus fruit and, and just give maybe that maybe, maybe nothing at all. Let them decide, let them, you, you know, let those flavors or those descriptors emerge from them. It's a really interesting way of doing it. Yeah. Sometimes I go even cheesier and I just say uh, like, it's very sunny today or something. I would just be like, Oh, would you like a pint of sunshine? And then I just like push like our juiciest, haziest, sunshiniest beer that we have on at the moment. Like if it's a big heat wave, people come in and they're like, I don't know, a beer, please, like a lager or whatever you have. I'll be like, do you want to try sunshine? (laughs) (laughs) Just like give them that sample and they'd be like, oh my God, that tastes like sunshine. Like that is what's happening right now. So sometimes it's it's almost like like people just have like an emotional connection to it instead of just thinking like mm. yes it is citrus fruits you know like it doesn't it's it's not necessarily if you're if you're not used to judging or critiquing flavors then it's just oh yeah this just makes me feel like it's a sunshiny summery drink i get on holidays or something you know mm. i think that's pretty consistent like i know i'm definitely a weather-based beer drinker oh, me myself too. yeah like when it's rainy i will definitely reach for something darker and a little bit heavier and when you're talking about when it's sunny and hot, I'm definitely reaching for those sunshine beers, as you say. So I think, I think that's, and like, also, you know, sometimes you don't want to know all the ins and outs of beer. You just want to know, well, I like it. Does it taste good? You don't have to know why mm. it's just fine to be like, oh, I like this. And I shouldn't even say it's just fine. No one needs that permission. But like, you know, when yeah. I was getting into beer, it would have been so nice to have, have people be like, oh, you know, it's okay for just you to just like it like we don't need to know all yeah. the ins and outs so that overload of information as you're saying is really important i think brewers really underestimate people's capacity to like and not like things as well like all the time brewers say well they don't know they're just like the, the public don't know what they're talking about they don't they didn't like this people they don't know what they're talking about well they may not be able to pick out a specific element they didn't like about it or explain to you what they didn't like but people know what they like and what they don't like same with, with food and with drink and if people are mostly not liking your beers, it's probably that they're not that nice and not that people just aren't getting whatever genius thing you did that you think mm. everybody else should better pick up on. Yeah. For sure. Like I think the main thing is just allowing access to for people to ask questions if they want to. And if they don't, if they just want to be like, give me a pint and I'll probably enjoy it, then grant. Like doesn't need yeah. to be a thing that they go home and all read about and they don't yeah. need to get into beer as we are. They just if they just and- want to there's an element of education by stealth there as well right where like you are there's little bits and they're learning like there's people coming in who aren't asking millions of questions but they are coming in they go oh there's new pale ale i like those i like the pale ale sorry there's a new hazy i like the hazies whatever and they've never had sat down had a conversation with you about what that means or what the parameters of that are they're just kind of getting tricked into getting excited and learning about it yeah. <laughs> by, by a pints and like even if you know a lot about it you might not want to know all about what you're specifically drinking like nine times out of ten when I go into a bar to have a beer I don't need all that and for you know I just want to know okay what style is it and then we're off yeah and that's it 
Um, and then other times I want to know all the ins and outs. So, you know, there's that too. It's yeah. Mm. It's lovely that you cater for everybody and bring mm-hmm. everybody along, you know, along the journey with you. I think that's absolutely amazing. So guys, we're going to start wrapping up, but tell us now where everybody can find you. So I can tell everybody listening at home that you've got to find crew at definitely Instagram. So that's at crew brew co on Instagram and your website is crewbrewing.ie. Where else can people find you? How should they get in contact? Where should they visit you? <laughs> Thomas Street. <laughs> yeah. yeah, by far the best way to experience any of it is to come to Limerick, which is a great base city in general as well for anyone who's considering a trip. It's not just us. There's a lot of really cool places to go. But yeah, uh, Twitter as well, Kruburko at Twitter. But uh, the Twitter is really just sort of my Twitter account where when I'm uh, working on my own all day, I just tweet odd things. So, yeah, if you want actual information, I'd say the website or Instagram might be smarter. Uh, If it helps, I laugh at your tweets whenever they come out. They they really do make me laugh. They're super random. (laughs) I do love it. Okay, Um, so so everybody... Come drink pints anyway. Oh, yes. That's the main thing. Go drink pints. Go drink pints down in Limerick. You guys need to meet the crew at Crew Brew. Um, It's an absolutely phenomenal place. And well and truly a gym you know like a real real gym and christina you and i need to go back so yeah that's happening. that's just it <laughs> that is definitely yeah. happening. instagram takeover when the bear daddies come by oh nice Ooh. Ooh. oh okay planning trips as we speak <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> everybody listening at home thank you so much for joining us and emma and jono thank you so much for taking the time to come on to our onto our wee podcast and chatting to us about your wonderful wonderful brewery and tap room it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you mm-hmm. thank you thank so you much. Yeah, thank you for yeah, and thank you christina friend everybody at home check us out on the socials we're a beer ladies pod everywhere and all of the links to um, buying us a beer or buying some merch um, are all there on our socials in our bios so with that we'll see you all next week same time same place potentially new guests bye bye What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.